Welcome to The Spirit of Success, a podcast hosting honest conversations for people who want to show up and work in life to create their own limitless realities. Each week, we deliver spiritual inspiration from real people, sharing their stories about authentic living from the road less traveled. Now here's your host, Dr. Tracy Debbie. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Spirit of Success, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Tracy Debbie, and it is lucky episode 13. And I just received a download that this is going to be the last episode of season one. So I'm really excited to end on this note. And I just wanted to say really quickly in the beginning right now that I just realized that we hit 500 plus downloads of this podcast and we're international. We're not in Africa, I think is the only um, continent that we're not on. So I just want to say thank you so much for your support. If you supported me or the podcast in any way, I am like so grateful for all of the support, for helping me share the stories um, for people that have made a difference in my life and I hope yours as well. So I think that's a great way to introduce this episode as well, because I have my friend Louise on the show. And when we first met, and we met through a mutual friend, which you'll hear in the episode, I sort of just shared really vulnerably my story with her. And she in return shared her story with with me. And there were so many, we call them parallels, like she's in a different part of the world than I am right, right now. And um it means a lot to me to be able to share her story because I resonated so much with it. And I remember there was a point where I was um, going through a down period and I, rem- and I remembered the story she told me. And that's when I knew I was like, we need to share your story with more people because if it helped me in that moment, I know it can help more people. So without any further, further teasing, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Spirit of Success, the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So there's so many things I want to say, but I always like to start off each episode by telling the audience how we know each other because we met fairly recently. I'm just going to shout out Alex Grant, who is just a wonderful human being. Love her so much. And when she tells me that there's someone that she thinks I should meet, I trust her. And she had told me about you a little while ago and I was like, okay, cool. And then I was like, yeah, okay. So we met and we just, we're so, we have like these like parallel lives, <laughs> which I think is so cool. We, we have like such um, shared experiences. So I wanted to bring you on the podcast to really share um, your story and how it's similar to mine and things that we've learned along the way and things that we're doing now. I'm going to tell our audience that you're in Bali I'm going to set the stage, the (laughs) fact that you're in Bali. So, but I'm going to like kind of leave it to you. And I want you to sort of just share what you feel comfortable sharing around your story, because it's something I deeply connected to. And I would just love for you to share that with our audience. Oh, I guess I'll start by saying that I wasn't in Bali my whole life. I was born and raised in Canada, which is where I grew up. I went to school there and I graduated from business school. And I think like most people, when they graduate at a pretty young age, didn't really know what they wanted to do with their life. And so I went down this path of doing what I thought was right. Always doing what I was told, always doing what was going to earn a gold star in paper. And so my immediate experiences started with just 
making someone of myself in the world. Did you know that you didn't know much about yourself at the time? No, I thought I did. Um, I thought I was a pretty self-aware person. I thought I was quite mature for my age, but I noticed that when I got constant feedback from people about certain things, um, the way I was acting, the way I was speaking, it, it caught me off guard because I remember thinking, I don't think of myself as that kind of person. I don't see myself that way. I don't, you know, think that, you know, I'm a negative person, but I didn't know enough about myself at the time, but I thought I did. I was never really taught that knowing yourself was a priority. It was always mm. how you want to act, how you want to service the world through business and my jobs and how much money I should be earning and what kind of accolades I can collect quickly. So yeah, so after graduating from school, I just started working as much as I could. And that was what I had in mind, that if I wanted to be a good person, if I want to be respected, if I ever wanted to become anybody in this world, I should just start working a lot. And that's what I did. So the first time I ever did something for myself as a young adult was I decided to, after graduating from school, neglect what my parents were telling me about getting a job in finance to make a lot of money. And I decided to pursue a career in fashion. That was my dream at the time. I wanted to live in New York. I literally picked up a phone, called a firm there and said, I want to come work for you. Can I just show up in a few months? And they said, yes. Wow. Yeah. And that's the short version of the story. And of course, my yeah. parents weren't very happy about that. But at the time I was like, this is my dream. This is what I want. I just need to be me. So I did that and I couldn't make a living off of myself doing fashion and I couldn't earn enough money to pay off my student debt. And at the time coming out of school, that was my biggest priority in life. So I came back to Canada brokenhearted because I couldn't make this dream happen. And I developed this belief that anytime we pursue a dream, it meant that we had to suffer. It was the first time I had ever taken a huge leap of faith. It didn't work in my favor. And then I came home and then the first thing I thought is I need security. So I decided to move into market, uh, corporate marketing. And then so when I moved into that, that's when I started to rebuild my life again. And from there, it just became my new, my new normal life. So why the jump to corporate marketing? Like, was that what you did in school? So corporate marketing for me was the most sensible thing to do coming out of fashion because I was doing fashion PR in New York. And so again, it was that step of what is the thing that makes most sense that's going to give me security the quickest. And so for me, that was the answer. Before I knew it, I was already in my mid-20s and kind of on this hamster wheel of doing the same thing, doing things that didn't feel like me anymore, but it felt like what I should be doing. And in my personal life, I was doing the same thing as well. I was in a long-term relationship and we had been together for quite some time and we were talking about getting married, having kids, and it looked like my life was on this straight path of I was checking all the right milestones at the right time. Can I ask you something? Like you mentioned something, you said that it didn't feel like you. You were doing these things, but it didn't feel like you. How did that show up for you? That was a real, that's a really good question, actually, because that was a hard question I had to really ask myself. And I remember for me, it was at first showing up as a feeling. If I was doing all these things that were promised to me as things that were going to bring me success and happiness, then why didn't I feel that way too? Yes, I was proud of my achievements. And yes, it did bring me joy at the time that it did in my life. But 
when I really looked at the long term of my life, if I were to look back at this moment years down the road, would I feel proud of who I was at that at that point? And the answer for me was no. I didn't know who I should be, but I knew it wasn't that. Wow. It's really important, though, knowing what you don't want in a way. There's some there's like similarities on people's journeys. This is that feeling that you'd like to talk about, but it shows up a bit differently for everybody. So I really like like to suss that out. So thank you for talking about that. So you were mentioning that you were in a long term relationship, doing all the right stuff, talking about getting married. Something just didn't feel right. No, it it didn't feel right because, like I said, I felt like there was more that could be waiting for me in my life. I just didn't know what that was. Actually, the constant feedback I got, even from my mother, was that she felt like I was older than my age. Like when people saw me and they met me, they were always telling me, like, you just don't really seem like you have much of a spark for life. At this age, you know, at that time I was 25, I should be excited to to pursue life. These are the prime years of your life. And for me, I felt almost like I had nothing really left to look forward to other than what I knew was coming down this straight path. And also I felt like I was checking off all these boxes so quickly that I just was so, so structured in this place that I didn't have any room for what could be something else. And I was just so set on one thing. So to me, I just kind of saw it as I know what to expect. And I guess that kind of took the adventure out of my life. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun, to be honest with you. I can see why people would say that. I mean, it's such an interesting thing to have people say to you. What an interesting, right? Because it's just feedback at the end of the day, but so interesting that people said that to you. And this is not to say that this isn't for other people, right? Like this is something that people often tell me too. And I, I don't think that there's one way to do life, but for me, this was the way that everyone was telling me to do it. That didn't feel like me. These, these milestones do bring a lot of joy to other people, but for me, it, it just wasn't for me, but I didn't know what else it could be. Yeah. And I think when we talk about milestones, there's ways to do that, right? Like you can get married a hundred ways, like legit, right? Like you can (laughs) think about all the ways you can get married. Right. And there's so many ways that you can make it you or me. And like, it can spark joy for us. You know what I mean? Like it can actually be that like, you can have a closet that you hate looking into. that's full of stuff you don't like wearing, or it can be full of things you absolutely love. You know, that's really the whole point of this podcast is just talking about different ways of doing things, hoping that something in my story, something in your story can spark someone being like, yeah, that's me. And they can figure it out and be like, wow, well, how can I do that? Yeah. Yeah. So you're telling us about kind of that transition. This is sort of that in-between phase, right? When you sort of realize things are not the way you want, right? So this is where, in my experience, the most like learning and growth happens. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. This was the moment where when you're in in the progress of getting there, you're just so focused on doing the work to get there that you're not even aware of how you feel or what it even means to you. Cause you're just so focused on getting to the end. And that was me. And then when I finally got to a place where I had reached uh, financial stability, where I felt like, you know, I was getting to know myself a bit better and what I wanted. And I was in a stable relationship. And again, sort of seeing this more linear path in front of me, 
that was, I think the moment that really, like we said, this, this gut feeling came in of, okay, well, here you are now, how do you feel? And I just couldn't bring myself to, to accept that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I suppressed it for a long time because I just felt like I had worked so hard to get here. Why do I not feel like the best version of myself when this is what I was told was going to happen? And I don't feel like this, but I cannot accept that it's not this because I don't know how to start over. Those were the exact words that went through my head was how do I even start over after I had worked so hard to get here? The immediate thing I started doing was I tried to rationalize the feeling. And so I started by talking to my family and my friends saying, you know, this is how I feel. And of course, the responses that I got, which I do believe have come from a loving place was that this is normal. This is part of getting to know yourself after your quarter life crisis, or maybe you just need to shift your mindset. This is you being ungrateful for your life and you need to practice more gratitude. Like there was all these different ways of rationalizing it, but no one had told me the answer was maybe this just isn't you. And I just want to add to like people always want the best for you, like especially the people closest to you. But I think something I've realized and working with Bob Proctor, he also mentioned this. It's like if people notice you change, they automatically have this fear that they might have to change too. Even though they know deep down, like you said, it's that feeling you suppress that it might be better. We're so afraid of change. The fear is actually of change. And so people actually tell you something that makes them more comfortable. But it's literally, if you look at the facts, it's so many stories, mine included, people loved me, but they also don't want to change. And I'm telling people this because it's like, you might be in the same scenario as Lou just mentioned. I very much resonate with that. And I just want to say, if you're listening here, just have that in mind. I think the pivotal point for me was when this feeling of dissatisfaction in my life started transforming into depression, deep unhappiness that lived inside of me. And as I continued to put on the show of the successes of my life and I'm okay, you're right, I'm rationalizing, this is normal, I'm good. I just knew on the inside that I wasn't happy with the way things were. But as I said before, I just couldn't accept it for what it was. So so I just became depressed. I felt like I was a different person on the outside and on the inside, there was this other part of me that wanted to actually show up in the world. And I I wasn't letting that come through. And so after keeping it to myself for a while, I started feeling deeply depressed and I started seeking help. But really, I knew on the inside that what I really needed to do was, was make some serious changes. And I made small changes in the beginning because I wasn't ready to make big changes. So the small changes were in lifestyle changes and um, being a little bit more open in conversations with people. But I knew what I really needed to do was shift away from everything that I thought I wanted and try things that were very different. And we talked about this, making those big changes and the fear wouldn't let me do that. So one night, I think that was the bottom for me. I really just... I felt so, so alone in that, that night. And I remember thinking to myself, this is probably the worst I'm ever going to feel. And I just want to feel anything other than this. I do not want to feel like this anymore. And I made a very spontaneous decision, which I truly believe came from this inner, inner place of something I've always wanted to do, which was I want to go to Africa. 
at this point, anything feels better than this. So I traded all my vacation days. I booked this trip and then I was off to Kenya. Truly, I have to say that was the turning point of my life because I remember waking up and seeing nature, seeing the sun, seeing the animals and thinking to myself, wow, like life really is so beautiful if we, if we choose that for ourselves. And the world is so much bigger than we think it is. And there is so much out there that we don't even know exists yet. And that was the, the moment for me that really, I think, changed my entire life. Just realizing how much I didn't know I could have or see or, or just become, you know? And so that was the, that was a changing point for me. And I came back and I remember thinking, I don't know what that was, but I want to feel more of that. So I made the decision that I was going to quit my corporate job. I was going to give up my apartment, which I really loved. I worked really hard for that apartment and I loved it so much and pretty much leave all my material belongings behind for a chance to, to see more of what could be waiting for me out there. And so I made a plan that in one year I was going to do all that. I cut back on all expenses that that didn't need to be spent. And I just saved as much as I could for this unknown chapter of my life. And then a year from then, I did exactly that. I quit my job. I took my savings. I had one carry-on suitcase and I bought a one-way ticket. Well, that's like the definition of wholesale changes, everybody. That is, wow, that's a lot. That is a lot. And you did that all in a year. So you bought a one-way ticket too? Um, So I went to Costa Rica and I went there for two weeks to a friend because I thought that was a good place to start to someone that I knew. It's actually so funny because when I left Canada, I had this bulletproof plan of what, where I was going to go, what I was going to do, exactly how much time I was going to spend. And it was like I had made this plan so that nothing could go wrong. I want to maximize my time and make sure that I had this easy journey is what I thought Mm. to myself. If I plan as much as I can, I'm minimizing as much risk. So it's all going to be great. Like nothing bad's going to happen. And as soon as I got to Costa Rica, within a week, long story short, my entire plan went up into flames because there were airports that were shut to where I was going to go. So I had to end up choosing different places. I had no intention of going. I ended up going to Panama from Costa Rica, which was never part of the plan. And I realized quite fast that, okay, the plan sucks. (laughs) The plan isn't going to work. And I thought this plan was going to be great. And I just need to, to stop planning. And that was the biggest lesson that I learned in the first week of this whole journey was stop trying to control everything because I love to control everything and just let this journey organically show itself to you. Wow. Did that spark your like joy for life? (laughs) I think it sparked a lot of fear. Um, (laughs) I like, like I said, I like to be in control. So going to foreign places without a plan is very difficult for me, but I think truly it was a test of character because when I had this moment that first week where nothing was going according to plan, I had a mental breakdown. And I remember crying and telling myself, I think this was a mistake. I think I should go home. I told myself that if I don't want to do this anymore, I can turn around and go home. So maybe this is that. I sort of hit that first roadblock and I was already ready to give up. And I had to get really honest with myself and and tap into 
my inner strength where I asked myself, okay, do you trust yourself? Because I relied on this plan. And finally, when I committed back to myself, I said, okay, you know what? I trust myself. I know that I'm smart enough to, to figure these problems out. I know I'm resourceful. And I know that no matter what, like the universe has my back and I need to trust that. And it's okay that things don't go according to plan because maybe there's something better. And I just really had to have this pep talk with myself. That is, like I said, a huge lesson to learn very early in the journey. In the first week. <laughs> yeah, in the first week. So uh, talk about like, it's kind of like we forget sometimes that we order this stuff, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it's really easy when you order it like a long time ago to kind of forget about it and be like, oh, it's showing up now. Why is that happening? It's like, yeah, you ordered that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I need adventure. And the universe is like, here you go. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't no, want that. Not that adventure. You know what I mean? <laughs> And just that one. And something that I've learned just on reflection, and maybe you can comment on this. Actually, I would love for you to comment on it. For me, I thought it was control, but it was more like I got attached to the way I thought things should look. And then I'm very much wrong with the way that it looks sometimes. And I get, then I think I fail or disappointed or like it leads to like a spiral when I get caught up in the way things look. This is an ongoing lesson for me in life. And that was my trip was the first time I had really come face to face with it. But this is a lesson I learned where we always think we know what's best for us. Right. And I think to some degree, maybe that's part of human nature of just feeling like we always know what's best for us. But exactly as you said, sometimes there, there is a different way or a better way. And if we let go of that, then we always get the best. Yep. Totally. And I use this analogy sometimes because I learned it recently and I think it's so good. Someone that I know was talking about kids and you know how kids always want ice cream. But when you're a kid, your parents are like, you know what? Vegetables are good and probably better for you because that's what you need in order to grow your physical structure. Right. But kids are like, but I want ice cream, you know, and I feel like (laughs) I'm like that sometimes, but I want blah, 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 thousands of dollars, whatever it is, right? I'm just using money, but it could be anything, right? Yeah. But the universe knows what I need. Maybe in order to get me to that, like I want to skip the like lessons that I need. And so that's, I've changed my perception on things instead of always being like, what do I want in terms of, again, getting attached to how it looks. It's more like, what do I need? I just wanted to bring that up because I think it's important to, and maybe it'll help someone to think of it that way because it was very different for me I went through a lot of like hitting my head against a wall (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) and just being like oh and then maybe I suck if this is not like as you said when you take that leap there's a lot of potential for disaster for lack of a better term and when I say disaster I hate to judge things but for you to like let go of the things that the 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 dream that you have right because it's not so much the dream that needs to like you know, go away. It's maybe you need to upgrade and elevate yourself to be the person to get that. And maybe that's what this was about. I think going back to what you said earlier about fear, it's knowing that you want something different, but you're afraid of how you need, how you need to change to get that. As you're saying that, the thought that's going through my head is like, think about what happened this year, right? Like the skill set that we're talking about, And I'm calling it a skill set purposely because with so many 
changes this year, people are realizing the things that we thought were safe, like your plan, right? We'll just use your plan. They're not, right? Education system, we're, we're learning not so much, right? Even healthcare, things that people thought you could not knock down are being challenged. And now people are like wondering, like you said, there, there's the fear, like you just, like it's the exact same thing you're talking about, right? It's this fear of, well, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. But the reality of the this, this situation is we never know. I have been kind of scared to say this on this podcast, but it's literally true. If you just observe things and don't get emotionally attached to them, it's like, we actually don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. So it becomes like a decision or a choice. Like, how do I want to manage that? And like you said, you can ignore it and you can stuff it and there's options, right? There's so many options. You can do so many things, but at some point, I think it will catch up with you in some way or another. And that's why I was really curious how that showed up for you because it shows up differently for like everyone. Oh, I know. And I was convinced that if I suppress it long enough that maybe I would just forget about it, you know, because at the end of the day, the only person who really knew how I really felt was me. So if I could keep it inside and hide it, who would ever really know, right? I mean, these feelings of discomfort and dissatisfaction and happiness and any type of insecurity, it it always comes out somehow, even if we don't realize it, even if we don't think it will come out, it does in different places at different times that even we don't plan for really. And that was me. I was convinced that if I kept it in a box, it would always stay in this box, but it doesn't. Surprise, it's Pandora's box. <laughs> yeah. And then you might end up quitting your job and quitting your life. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We're kind of making it light, but I don't want it to feel so heavy because again, it's how you deal with it. You know, you can take it super seriously. I did that. I have a tendency to do that, but it doesn't feel good. It feels better for me if I make, not make fun of myself, but just tell the truth in a playful way. If I can bring some play into this and think about, okay, how can I make this more fun or just be play with this idea, you know? Yeah. And I think it's also to add to that is looking back at it now, the reason I can speak lightheartedly about it is because I know for certain now that we will always find a way out of it. In the moment, I'm not going to discredit how hard it was. I'm not going to say it was easy. I'm not going to say, you know, that I have the same perspective that I have today about it. It was hard for sure. And I truly felt like I hit the bottom of my life where I was just so depressed with everything in my life. And looking back at it now, no matter how dark that dark night is going to feel, we, we can come out of it and we do come out of it. Hello, spiritual seekers and those who want to redefine success. Just wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Patreon. And to give you a little sneak peek about what's over there, Lou is here to answer a question from the uh, card game Connect Offline. So what a great question for you. Sorry. So your your question is, what does home mean to you? Oh, that's a really good question because I've asked myself this many times. Um, I really think home for me is 
is people. You know, wherever your people are is where you are. So I always thought it was a place like many people do, but I've realized, especially being nomadic, that Earth is my home. You know, no matter where I go in the world, I'm always meeting people who become my community and they're always supporting me and helping me. I still have my family and friends back home in which I still am speaking with them and connecting with them all the time. So really, as you kind of go to different places and start meeting different people and collecting this amazing tribe of people, Earth becomes your home. Wow. That is such a beautiful answer. Like, seriously, <laughs> such a, a beautiful answer. <laughs> you had time to think about that. It's such a beautiful answer. So if you guys want to hear more answers with Lou, which you know you do, because that answer was um, so great, check us out at Patreon. Um, and the link is in the bio. We'll see you for the rest of the episode. I think one thing that gets overlooked and I love that we're bringing it down to the the small because I really think about just getting one percent better if I got one percent better at like for me right now it's like self-love right if I can get one percent better every day after a week I'll be seven percent better and in a year 365 right right and and maybe not every day is one percent maybe it's like 0.1 percent but those changes add up and people think you need like massive percent shift. Like if I improve my mindset 2% and they've actually done studies on this. If you actually have like a 5% shift, it changes so much because 95% of what we do is subconscious. I've said that this before on the show. So if you can take something that's subconscious, make it conscious and integrate it into your life, this is how these shifts in your life happen. And I think also when we talk about our stories, my story, your story, or anyone else's, we always speak about it from the highlights of the journey, right? We always talk about the the bigger milestones, but exactly to your point, there's a lot of small things that happen in between that it happens when we're alone, actually. And for me, it was everything from asking someone for advice or even just getting myself out of bed to go to the gym that day to feel better or making a healthy meal choice or reading a self-help book or reading you know, many self-help books. And these are all things that built up to eventually lead to these big decisions. So yes, I do agree with you that uh, from a high level point, it looks like it was easy to make these big decisions, but it actually was a culmination of a bunch of small ones. Yeah. And it's like, how many risks did you take in that year? you know, like that you were prepping, you know, how many times did you have to say no to something because you knew that putting that money into your savings account was more important, right? Or like I took a massive leap to, you know, join Bob Proctor's company. That was a massive leap for me at the time. And it made no sense to anybody. But somehow in my heart, it was like calling me to do that. And now I understand why, because I learned so much that literally saved me like probably 60 years, you know, people don't see that. I struggled with that decision. Hiring my first coach, literally wanted to vomit. (laughs) <laughs> I literally grabbed a garbage can. I was like, I'm giving you this much money for what? But again, I, it didn't feel bad. It just felt unfamiliar. I was like, I don't know. Investing in me? Yeah. And no one's clapping for you for these things because you're your own cheerleader the whole time. You are motivating yourself. You're cheering for yourself. You're holding your own hair back when you're vomiting, you know? Like these are <laughs> yes. all things that you're doing yourself because... These are the the little things that not everyone sees. 
Yeah. And we've talked about it um, on a few episodes before. It's like you're growing your internal root system. It's so funny. One of the things that guides my company now is we, I and we always think about things as growth as opposed to assembly. So when you're talking about doing things the way someone else says you should do, it feels like I'm assembling this life of all these things that people want me to do. Assembly is so inauthentic. But this growth concept, when I think about growth, I love it because we're never done growing. There's cycles. So the depression needs to happen so that we can feel joy. And that internal root system is like what is rooting us. Like all those times that you like said no or the times I said yes or whatever. We had to say no sometimes or say yes, right? That builds that root system that keeps us stable. So when there, a windstorm comes, we are swaying, but we're not falling over. Most people who don't know you well might not think anything's changing. And I think everyone who like knows me is like, you're spiritual. And for a while, I really resisted that because I, I don't know. I just, it just felt like a box for a while, but like I am spiritual, you know? And I think my spiritual part comes from this, like the believing is seeing. It comes from that faith that even though nothing is shifting on the outside yet, my roots, AKA my spiritual side keeps me going being like, okay. And trusting in, like you said, the universe, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't even matter to me. Trusting in something that is bigger than all of us, that is our friend. Okay, so we kind of went off on a side tangent talking about (laughs) the lessons that we learned, but I really honestly feel like it's so important for somebody to hear. Why don't you take us back to, because we told the audience that you're in Bali, but you left us in Panama. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) connect us to how that happened. (laughs) After I had made my way from Central America to Southeast Asia, I actually had a very personal matter come up. So before I left, my dad was sick. He was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, and they said that he wouldn't have a lot of time left. And so I had already made this plan for this trip, and it was so hard to balance the two because... I knew that I wanted to be there for my family, be there for him. But at the same time, I felt called to go somewhere else. So I told myself, I'm going to go and I'm going to come back. So when my dad was sick, I ended up coming back to see him. But before I did that, actually, I ended up making up in Korea, which is where my dad is from and my mom is from. And my dad had been estranged from his family for a really long time. And I had this weird inkling. And this is where also before I go into this, I want to talk a little bit about how my trust to my intuition and feeling into this inner voice that was the same voice that called me to make these changes in my life. It started showing up stronger as I started taking these big risks and making these big changes. It started, I guess, through... Every st- every big step of letting go of another piece of fear or another piece of who I thought I was, another piece of insecurity, it created space to hear this voice a lot stronger. I don't know how else to explain it other than this voice that was an inkling before that my life needed to be different was now a clear voice telling me, you need to go here or do this. And I know when I first heard this voice come through about Korea, which was telling me, you need to go see your dad's family. And, and this voice was telling me that my dad didn't have a lot of time left and that my dad wasn't in touch with his family and that they should know. 
And so I had, again, no plan. And this was not part of my plan. I had no plan. This was not part of that. And so I called my mom and said, I have this crazy idea. I think I want to go find his family. And my mom had also been out of touch with his family because they had a tough relationship. But my mom was always very supportive. So she did the best that she could to put me in touch with anyone who could get me in touch with his family. And so when I landed in Korea, I ended up calling the one phone number that my mom had, which was his sister. And it turned out that it was still a valid phone number. When she picked up the phone and I told her it was me after, I don't even know, 20 something years of never even hearing my voice as an adult, actually, she just knew right away that it was me. I ended up meeting his family and of course had to tell them the hardest thing that anyone would ever have to tell someone after never seeing each other. You know, how do you show up after 20 something years without anything but good news? It was really, really sad. It was essentially the last chance that they would have to make peace with their family, with each other. The shorter version of the story is that while I was in Korea, I had this inkling that I should go home. Again, I think it was that voice calling, calling me to do something because it knew. And it told me that I needed to go home and see my dad. And it was in the middle of a snowstorm. The planes were unreliable. I ended up having all these canceled flights. And then through all these different people I'd met who I really believe were I want to say like angels on earth, you know, people who really you meet at the right moments you need to meet, who bring you exactly to where you need to go. And the sales representative was the one that actually had recommended me to take a certain flight, believing that it would be the only flight that wouldn't cancel because I told her I needed to get home. I ended up making it back to my dad's bedside pretty much less than 12 hours before he passed. And I remember sitting at his bedside we had called his family and they were able to connect on the phone to sort of say their final goodbyes. And then I realized that this whole long-winded journey that I went through was essentially a big part to, to give that to my dad, to be able to give him a chance to, to make peace with his family before he passed. And that was uh, like, when I think about all the pieces that led me to there at the time that I needed to go, every single, you know, connecting flight, the people who had put me on the flights, even the taxi driver that knew exactly which wing of the hospital to take me because he had a relative that was there too. And all these different things that came together really made me realize that we're always being guided and we're always led to where we need to go if we let it. And that was for me such a pivotal moment of my life where I realized if we trust in, again, whatever's bigger than us, I call it the universe. Some people call it something else. You know, it's always looking out for us. Wow. I just was so, so into your story. Um, I'm not even sure if there's anything like for me to comment and say other than like, obviously I'm sorry that, you know, your dad passed, but I'm really glad that you were able to be there. I mean, this is like the gift of listening. Like this is that gift of like, I loved what you, you, you said before you created space to listen. And the gift was that you were able to be somewhere with someone that you love as they transitioned. Like that is, that is the ultimate. And so I'm like, thank you for sharing that. 
I think we can all feel like what that meant. I always talk about things as like multidimensional and we probably don't even know the actual like energetic, true energetic impact of doing that. Yeah, it's really hard to explain, but that was the first time in my life that I had experienced something outside of myself. Because my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer, he had lost his speech. He couldn't speak anymore. And we had a pretty tough relationship growing up where we weren't very close. And my dad's way of showing affection was, I guess, being tough on me, you know, being tough on me and knowing that he did want the best for me and always tried to make me a strong person in that way. And so when we were in that vulnerable place where I was sitting at his bedside and he was moments away from the end of his life. And I remember saying to my brother that in this weird way, we had an entire conversation without speaking. We were able to feel each other's energetic presence. And just even by the way we were looking, you know, at each other while we were feeling these deep emotions, I felt like we had an entire conversation and probably the most meaningful conversation we'd ever had in our whole life. And when I shared this with my brother, I said to him, I remember specifically, I said, you're going to think this is absolutely crazy, but I just had an entire conversation with dad and it was a very deep conversation. And my brother said, I actually know exactly what you're talking about because I had the same conversation with him an hour before. Wow. And you know what the funniest thing is? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's hard to explain, but when you feel it and you experience it, you know. Yeah, Yeah. mine's a bit different. So my grandma has Alzheimer's um, and she actually pretty much, she raised me for like a large part of my childhood and she hasn't remembered me in at least six years. And that was tough. But there are moments where we'll, we'll like look at each other and I know she knows who I am. And one time I was so sure of it and I was like holding her hand so she could go in the car. I was just like helping her get into the car, right? Cause she's a bit, you know, frail. And she literally squeezed my hand so tight and looked at me and I knew it. And I was like about to cry. And I told my mom about it afterwards. And my mom's like, I believe you, I know she does. And I think it's being open to that thing, like being open to something like that, being open to the energy, the nonverbal communication. I don't even know what to say about it other than, you know, I know, and I'm sure people out there know what we're talking about, right? That energy, it's so healing to have that experience, like, and to have that with your dad right before he passed. Like, I can't imagine what that brought to you. Yeah. And I think in addition to that, like the reason I say that was a turning point for me was because some of the lessons that I learned within those few days of, you know, leading up to my dad's passing and after I think really changed the way I went out into the world again after that. So it made me learn and reflect a lot about, you know, these deep lessons that we receive through death, lessons about time and, and forgiveness. You know, these are all things that are really hard lessons to take in. And for me, I just saw things very differently. And I remember asking and questioning to myself, and I know that, you know, it's, it's, not the most ideal circumstances to have to learn these types of lessons. But again, I think really the most powerful. And for me, it was really asking myself, you know, like, like, what do I want to leave behind in this world? No one ever wants to think like that, right? No one ever wants to ask that kind of question. But that was 
what I had to ask myself given where I was. And so when I decided again, after my dad's funeral, that I was going to go back out into the world again, I felt this like different fire, you know, this different trust and fire of, okay, well, I already know my plan doesn't go the way that I want. So I need to never go back to that plan. I know that there's something bigger than me. That's always leading me and guiding me. I know I can trust myself. Whatever I think is best is probably not the best anyways. And, you know, we already know that there's a lot that we could receive and experience in this world if we just give ourselves a chance to. So when I left Canada again, that was when I went to Bali and that was never part of the plan. I was like, I'm going to go into the Amazon or something. And um, a friend of mine had invited me to go to Bali because she was there and said, let's meet up here. I think you could use a friend. And so I thought, okay, that's not, that's. That's, I think, what I do need. So I ended up going there, meeting her, and ended up never leaving, actually. <laughs> so, um, oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I came here with the intention of just meeting my friend. I learned how to surf, and I just absolutely fell in love with surfing. That was something that made me feel so close to nature, that feeling that I had felt in Kenya. And that was the first time on my trip that I had felt that. And so, I just remember thinking to myself, you know what? The new plan is I don't have a desire to make this a trip anymore. I want this to be my new life. And it was then that the pieces started coming together. Uh, I met my partner who I'm with now and I'm still uh, living with here in Bali. So that also came together. I ended up meeting a puppy who I ended up adopting. It was all these things that came one at a time after I made the decision that this is going to be my new life. I don't know how, but it's going to be my life and really started building from there. And looking back now, it's already been a year and a half, but it's crazy how fast things can happen when we make that choice for ourselves. And now on this journey of being a new entrepreneur and figuring out ways of getting creative with my skills and how I want to service the world and who I want to be now it all came from all the previous lessons that I had to go through of releasing what I thought I knew was best for me, accepting that there is something bigger than me that's always looking out for me. And again, trusting myself that whatever that inkling or that voice or that calling or whatever you want to call it inside is, is trying to help you really become who you were meant to be. Yeah, I love that. I mean, the way I think about things and um, another podcast guest really helped me with this is he calls it like a golden thread. So we have this golden thread and you can think of it the way he describes it as like a baseline frequency of like who Lou is supposed to be, you know, and like, like just what your what your journey is and what your path and what your alignment is. And I love that analogy of the golden thread because I think about all the things that you told us that you went through and the things that you haven't, right? All of it was really getting you back on this path. When you, when you feel that and then you add that feeling plus a committed decision or just a decision, it is probably like amazing. It's not probably, it is amazing to see what will come from that. I think to add to that, the only other thing I would say is when I look back at where I was, you know, in the beginning of this journey, feeling unhappy, feeling like I was doing all the things I should be doing. And then looking now where I'm at, 
it's okay to want to be different, you know? And I think that was something that I wish I had been able to tell myself then is that it's okay if you don't want the same things as everyone else. It's okay if you want something different. It doesn't make you weird. It just makes you you and that's fine. And being you is more than enough to be successful in this world. And I just, I wish someone had told me that because I felt like I was constantly living to please other people. And it was only when I had reached a point where I told myself, wait a minute, who am I actually living to please, you know? And leading up to the day where my dad had passed, I know I really had not realized these things. And it was only after when I was able to go back out into the world, it was when I realized, okay, I'm going to do things the way I want. I'm going to live life on my own terms. And really, I am the author of my life. Yep. It's like that butterfly analogy, right? No one sees the nasty cocoon larva shit, right? It's all slimy, yeah. <laughs> gross, and disgusting, and no one cares. It's just hanging there. And like, we we talked about the like roots before, and I'm using a different analogy. But it's the same thing, right? If you choose, you get to be the beautiful butterfly, which is what you're talking about. And you're just beginning, which is so exciting. And so am I. Um, I feel like we're just scratching and maybe not even scratching the surface. So thank you for sharing. I think there's so many powerful nuggets in here. You've really done a really good job of illustrating with words what that experience was like. Like you're very in touch with how you feel. And to be honest with you, I think the first part of this whole journey is just acknowledging that you have feelings. That was the thing that you just let guide you following that voice, following the feeling of, I have to go here. I have to go here. And not, it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make head sense as I call it sometimes, but heart sense or inner being sense, whatever you want to call it sense, there's no question. That's what you have to do. So it's just recognizing what that is for you and just having the courage to follow it, I think, which is. And to add to that point about feeling, I think you said it so well, is that in acknowledging that feeling that's within us, I really believe and can see now from where I am at this point in my life that that's where it starts. You know, I always believed in the beginning that it was the other way around. Our outer successes determine how we feel about ourselves on the inside because these achievements make us feel good, but it's actually the other way around. And I can tell you that for certain because when I started this journey a few years ago, channeling from within of how do I feel about myself? What do I feel in there? It was then that my outer world changed. It was then that this journey that I started going on took a radical shift away from the plan and started bringing in all these things that I'd never thought I could ever imagine would be part of my life. I didn't even know existed. And here we are today. So it starts from the inside, not the other way around. Love that. I think that's such a great place to end here because I think that's such an important message and I don't want to take away from it. So we haven't really talked about what you're doing right now. So I want to end this episode with us, with you telling us what you're doing right now, how you're servicing entrepreneurs and where people can um, contact you if they want to work with you. So what I'm doing now and what I really love to do is I love to help spiritual entrepreneurs who want to share their gifts with the world by bringing some of my marketing skills from what I was doing before. So this is data and analytics, but most importantly, I love to write. So I used to do a lot of creative writing, but now I've decided to use it professionally to help spiritual entrepreneurs translate their gifts to people basically in a way that people can understand. That's what I'm doing now in Bali. And that's what I've actually found a lot of success doing recently, which has been 
amazing because it's been able to bring a lot of the things I love together. And you've actually helped me in uh, my copywriting. And so I can tell you that that is your absolute natural gift. And if anyone's thinking about hiring somebody or working with you, how can they find out more? The best way right now is to message me through Instagram. um, Or if they wanted to send me an email, they could reach out through that. Okay. And what's your Instagram? It's my first name, last name. So Louise Choi, L-O-U-I-S-E-C-H-O-E-E. Perfect. And we will link it in the show notes, but if people just want to do that right now as they're listening, they can find you. Lou, thank you so much for being here. Um, It's been such a great convo and I can't wait for people to hear it. Thank you so much. This was so amazing. I hope you enjoyed that episode. That was Lou's first time on a podcast. So I think she did great. I'm so grateful that she chose our podcast to be the first one. So thank you so much, Lou. Thank you. If you're still listening, I appreciate you being here. Like I say, every day, Um, as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, this is the um, last episode of season one. So we'll, we'll be coming at you with season two next week. I have a bunch of people lined up. I am so excited like really pumped for the people that I have planned for next season. So I can't wait to share more epic conversations that I hope change your world as they've changed mine. So yeah, I just want to say if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating or review on Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you choose to consume on. And yeah, and you can support us on Patreon. There's bonus content with every single one of our guests. And it's a really fun way for you to get to see them and also get to know more about them um, in the ways that I have as well. And I want to share that with you. So we will be back next week. And I just want to say, I hope you stay well, be well, and make it a great day. 